Hi everyone, here we are, episode 4. I'm really enjoying this new venture and I feel like I'm constantly giving myself some sort of therapy every time I record, so it's obviously doing some sort of magic. And it feels really quite nice just to have my authentic self out there and I've genuinely had such nice feedback, so I just want to thank you all so much for that. Please, please keep sharing between your friends and social media. If you hit subscribe, your device will automatically download every new episode and that means you won't miss any. And you can listen at your own leisure. So today I want to discuss something that's not particularly a fun subject for me to to talk about. Maybe not so fun for you to listen to either, but I do find it relevant. I do think it does need to be discussed and I... And I assume there are so many more of you out there that have been through similar. Um, Today I'm going to be discussing my personal birth trauma and facing your demons. It's it's also worth noting that I've actually not been diagnosed with PTSD but there are signs and symptoms that certainly display that I, I am suffering from that and this episode may resonate with anyone suffering from any form of PTSD, uh, not just birth trauma. So don't think if you've not experienced a birth trauma that this episode doesn't for you. So for this week, I originally actually had a different topic planned. I had planned to be discussing more ADHD this week, but this has been seriously affecting me and I felt that the timing to discuss this it just had to be now. Um, talking about it later on just felt like I was putting it off and acknowledging it and dealing with it while it's causing me issues. So... The time is now. This episode can be related to any type of trauma, which I said before, and I would like to warn anyone listening that this topic or experience may be triggering and also may not be appropriate to listen to if you're expecting your first child or have any concerns or anxieties. Please only listen with your own discretion. As you know, I'm expecting my baby really soon, my second, and this time it's a girl. I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, Honestly, I think it's just only hitting me now how terrified I actually am. I'm certainly not terrified of having a baby. The baby was planned, but I'm absolutely bricking it for the birth. When I fell pregnant, this moment just now leading up to going in for a section, it felt like years away. We found out really quite early, so it also felt like it was dragging in and on the lead up to announcing to everyone. So I want to begin by telling you how I ended up with a trauma relating to pregnancy and birth. In 2013, I fell pregnant with my little best friend and love of my life, Aidan. I was 21 and totally inexperienced in life and completely unaware of what financial stability is needed and everything else that comes with that. I had zero responsibilities. I didn't even have my own place, so everything during that pregnancy was completely rushed. Not to mention the initial news being broken to my family, and let's just say that was less than exciting for them to hear. Naturally, everyone worried, and I had the usual comments. Things like, that's you around your life, or any potential that you might have had. You're still a child yourself. You're in no position to raise a child. How are you going to cope? These were all very true, but they didn't make me feel very positive about myself or the situation. 
My relationship with Aidan's dad was far from stable. My partner was unreliable, there was alcohol issues and domestic abuse, which was increasing, although not many knew the extent of that. The option of abortion was mentioned to me numerous times and although I'm not against the topic of abortion or anyone choosing to do so for many different reasons, for me, at this moment in my life, it honestly turned my stomach. I knew that I was destined to have this this child and this baby. And I loved that wee kidney bean so much. And I finally felt like I would have a partner in life, for life, no matter how unhealthy that may seem now. Finally, someone that would love me unconditionally and a wee person that I can devote my entire love to without feeling rejected. The pregnancy was really healthy, there were zero complications, I remained healthy and active and I don't actually remember any physical issues or even severe sickness that got in the way of my life. My partner at the time and I, we got a flat, we rented together and life seemed like it was actually planning out okay. I was officially an adult, maybe slightly delusional about that reality, but I felt that everything was going to be working out okay. However, due to the size of the baby, Aidan was in the 99th percentile and I shit you not, this kid came out £10.10 10 ounces. So they knew, knowing the size of him, that I was going to be induced on my due date. Labour was progressing nicely and 20 hours later, I was coping absolutely fine. I took all the pain relief offered because I don't care what any one of you say, I don't want to feel that. I still felt it, but at least I was able to enjoy the experience. I had my mum there, I had my partner there, and we all seemed to have quite a laugh during it. So as I said, 20 hours into labour, and I was woken from my nap. That's how out of it I was. And I was told, that's you now, nine centimetres, and you're going to be preparing to push soon. So I asked for another epidural top-up, as it felt quite patchy, which they obliged to do. And because of all the drugs that I was given, I was extremely, and extremely out my face. And I really wasn't quite aware of my any changes or surroundings or what was really going on. My memory does tell me that something changed in about 30 minutes within getting that epidural. And they said that the baby's heart rate was dropping. So because he was exceptionally large and he was also back to back, they agreed that pushing was just going to be completely impossible and, and unsafe and it would only stress myself and the baby more. I had actually chose to refuse forceps and with that they rushed me off to surgery. Me however still completely calm as a cucumber due to all the drugs that were in my system. All I remember thinking was, thank you lord, my vagina will still be intact. I was given a spinal injection and by the time I lay down on the bed I was struggling to breathe. This is where everything went really fast and then it went blank. I heard everyone shouting and rushing around in what felt like a huge panic. I remember feeling that panic and I heard my anaesthetist or my consultant, I couldn't tell you who, tell me to squeeze his hands but my arms were completely paralysed. I couldn't even speak. My lips were turning blue and they made me swallow something to prevent me being sick. Simultaneously to giving me a general anaesthetic, a breathing tube was then rammed down my throat, and I'm not saying that lightly, that was rammed down my throat, bursting my top lip in the process, and that's obviously how fast they had to act. 
I was still awake and I felt I felt that I, I remember feeling petrified. The feeling of not being able to breathe or scream for help, it still, it still really haunts me. I actually feel choked up talking about it right now. I literally, to this day, by the way, I can't watch anything that shows someone holding their breath underwater. I feel, even recording this right now, I'm fidgeting with my own neck and that just shows you it still has an effect. So 10 years on, I still can't watch anything related to people going underwater and uh, anything to hold in your breath. All these videos that you see on Facebook sometimes with people thrill-seeking and going through all these wee narrow caves. No, can't do it. So back to the story. Some hours later, I did. I woke up in high dependency unit with no baby in my stomach and no one at my bedside. And I genuinely, at that point, I thought I'd lost my baby. But where was my mum and my partner? I now know that during that process they had already woke me up. They had woke me up to remo- remove the breathing tube and make sure that I could breathe on my own and they will always do that without people in the room just in case anything happens. So I won't have any memory of that due to the anaesthetic and you know they, they did everything that they were supposed to do and my memory of that, that, that's my trauma response and that's not any fault of the hospital. I then met my baby who I actually didn't think was mine at first, this huge bundle of chubbiness and a whole heat of hair and honestly I just couldn't recognise that this thing that looked like a toddler was mine and had been inside of me. I was also in a tremendous amount of pain and I required a lot of morphine. I remember that really clearly. I remember feeling like, I remember being that out of it that I was screaming, you've left something inside of me. I thought they had left an instrument inside of me. That's that's how out of it I was. Um, I had lost a lot of blood. I can't remember the exact amount, but I required three blood transfusions. That's how much blood I lost. And basically what had happened was they'd got Aiden out in under two minutes because they had given me the general anaesthetic. They have to get that baby out as fast as they can before the anaesthetic travels through the bloodstream to the baby and affects them. So they got him out dead quick and then my body was that exhausted that I didn't respond to the medicine that they give you to, to contract your womb again, which stops the bleeding. So I just kept bleeding. I was producing blood to a baby that was no longer in my body and I was completely grey in colour, very emotional, borderline abusive and wasn't very welcoming to anyone holding my son as I genuinely felt I'd been robbed of an entire experience. It's also worth knowing that the amount of drugs in my system by this point also played a part in my mental and emotional state so it wasn't all me being sane. It was it was the drugs. It was a concoction of everything: drugs and tiredness and trauma and fear and all those things put together. So now you know what happened. Moving forward, I never actually really dealt with any of this due to being scared to being diagnosed with postnatal depression or having social work or psychologists watching me. I felt extremely suspicious of everyone and anyone. I had feelings of bitterness surrounding it. I didn't want to discuss anyone else's experience, nor did I want to discuss my own. And I felt completely robbed and defeated, and I had multiple breakdowns. I was so angry. And still to this day, I experience separation anxiety with my son, which I've only realised 
like, and I would say in the past year how serious this is. I cry when he goes to his dad's for the weekend, but I don't just cry. I get extremely upset and overwhelmed. It builds up from midweek. I get anxious if he's out playing and I can't see him and he's not answered his phone. I know every mum gets that, but I'm talking about on an extreme level. I have panic attacks imagining the worst scenarios where he's taken from me in any sort of way, whether it's illness or someone takes him, anything, the list goes on. And it's definitely something that needs and needed addressed. And I've known this for some years, but recently it's just got worse. And I'd like to know, why is it as humans that we refuse to deal with things that are causing us upset or disturbing our quality of life? Surely we know by now that facing it head on isn't as difficult as living an entire life affected by it. I've had this pattern through my whole life of burying my head in the sand, ignoring it, and thinking that I'm actually coping. And I don't even just mean with birth trauma, I mean with all the trauma that I've mentioned in previous podcasts. Anger, upset, anxiety, hurt... I've pushed all of it so far deep down inside of me that I just know it'll be a, vo- a volcano ready to erupt. And it, it has been at times. I have erupted at times. So I fell pregnant at the beginning of the year. It was a surprise. We didn't think it would happen. And we had been trying for quite a, quite some time. I immediately felt guilt and it ran through me like I've betrayed Aiden in some sort of way for not being my only child anymore. And I know how weird this sounds, but this is exactly how I felt. I was thinking things like, will I still give him enough love? Will I love this child as much? And it's crippled the majority of this pregnancy and now here we are in the lead up to delivering again. I decided early on that a planned section was my only option to avoid complication and further trauma and I was then told that natural delivery wouldn't be an option anyway due to now being high risk and then diagnosed with gestational diabetes which did scare me at first but now I know how controllable it is and that it will disappear after I've had the baby. So I controlled the diabetes through diet but I was then rushed to hospital by ambulance after a swab test predicted I was going into a preterm labour at 32 weeks. And immediately my thoughts were complete victim mode. Another baby's going to be taken away from me. I won't, I won't ever, ha- and I mean after the birth because they would have to go to neonatal. I won't ever have a normal experience. I'm not ready for this child yet. And then it followed with some guilt that I haven't spent enough time with Aiden on her own and I haven't fully embraced this pregnancy because there's been so much stress and I've wasted another experience and it's possibly, possibly my last. And being diagnosed with ADHD the year before and BPD, so that's borderline personality disorder and no, I don't have multiple personalities, although some may argue that. It's actually trouble regulating emotions um, and that comes from, there's not a tablet for that by the way, that comes from trauma and adverse experiences that have irregulated your system and being able to cope with emotions. So it, it made sense that all these experiences in life and birth and the birth trauma contributed to how I was feeling. But nevertheless, I, I struggle to communicate it at times because I know for a fact no one around me fully gets it and obviously why would they? I just felt like expressing all of this makes me look psychotic and it gave people an excuse to bring me down or think I'm incapable. And it's also one of those things where, you know, you don't just have one issue, so... Where the hell do you even begin? What one is possibly more of a big deal? Well, all of it. 
it's all a big deal and it really doesn't matter where you start, you just start. And what I've realised for me is you peel one layer off at a time and focus solely on that layer and allow yourself to heal and peel another. Every single one of us have issues. Even your Instagram influencers portraying the perfect life, perfect family, perfect home. There's a cheating husband and wife somewhere. There's alcoholic parents. There's an abusive family member. There's trolling online and death threats. Bullying in the workplace. That's another big one. Every single person on this planet has experienced something that has affected them in some sort of way. Even if it's a sibling getting more attention growing up, it may seem insignificant to you or someone else, but it has effects and if you don't deal with that face on, it's going to catch up with you and suffocate you in some way. It's too easy to blame mental health and use it to label people as reactive, unhinged or losing control. And I'm sorry, but it just really doesn't sit well with me, especially not in this day and age. Because usually the people who are judging and making you feel abnormal are the ones that are sharing all the memes online about feel free to reach out, my DMs are always open. They're the ones who are suppressing their own issues or have limited adverse experiences to even remotely understand what impact these would have. So I discussed these issues, um, the worries that I had with my Auntie Angela and Angela Trainer, for anyone who doesn't know, is a phenomenal psychotherapist who has helped hundreds and hundreds of people and I'd go on about her but this episode's about me so maybe another time Angela. I'm only kidding. She explained to me that what I'm actually experiencing is, is something called context dependent memory. I'd never heard of this before. She said that due to continued hospital visits and being rushed in, watching Aiden being unwell recently with pneumonia and being hospitalised, that I have been triggered. The smell of the hospitals, they make me gag, the, they make me tear up, the doctors, the, you know, the pregnant belly is a daily reminder of what's to come. And it's only natural that these fears still feel fresh and... I never really dealt with them in the first place, so that's really what I'm trying to do with my life in general right now. Deal with my stuff. I don't want to wait till I'm 70 and feel like I've been trapped by memories or bad experiences. I just really want to take control and embrace them and see what they've taught me and make the most out of the time that I do have on this earth with my children, my family, my fiancé and my friends because life really isn't guaranteed and although medication is fine, you're not truly dealing with the root cause and I've already spent a good 15 years, I'd say. I mean, albeit I'm only 32, but that's my entire adult life. Feeling really traumatised, really victimised, reactive and extremely anxious about the unknown future. But what I do know about this current fear and trauma is a few things. The likelihood of that happening twice to the same person is pretty low. Probably more chance getting hit by a bus, to be honest, and I still can't fucking cross the road properly, so there we go. My records make all doctors, consultants, anaesthetists, and everyone else aware, and they've made me aware. My anaesthetist met with me to discuss exactly what did happen and what will happen this time, and that they have seen this before. I'm not the only one. I've had multiple extra scans and appointments to reassure me everything's going smoothly, and they are educated and on the ball. 
at the end of this, I get another precious child out of it. And unfortunately, there are so many people out there that never get that opportunity and would go through what I went through a million times over. So I need to feel extremely lucky and privileged. I feel so much better already speaking about this and I actually feel that that was therapy. It wasn't the topic that I had in mind for this podcast, but I trusted my gut. And if this helps anyone out there with past birth trauma or any sort of trauma experiences, then I am so happy to share mine. I'd like to encourage anyone who has been affected by this episode to please give yourself time to digest what you listened to, what you maybe were taken back to thinking about, and take a moment to yourself to recenter. And if needs, reach out, phone, text, message someone, anyone to chat this moment through. It was a lot for me to get off my chest. There was a couple of times I actually thought I wanted to stop and cry. But um, that'll have been a lot for some of you listening to who can relate to any of it. So please don't feel weird about it. It was a heavy subject. It is a heavy subject. Unless you don't have a clue about it, then you're you're not going to understand it. But as you know, I'm always open to chatting and receiving feedback. And if anyone does wish to reach out to me to discuss this further for support, I am on Instagram as at the Lucky Girl Club 1111. Thank you for listening. I know this week was a heavy one, but listen in next week where I'll be discussing my journey with ADHD. And I'm hoping that'll make you laugh a little and not cry like this one. (laughs) Bye for now.